Now faith is the assurance of the things we hope for. It is the conviction of things we cannot see. By faith, we can understand that all we see was created by what we cannot see. Living without faith is like going to the beach and never getting wet. church. Well, that Bible passage tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just wanted to think about that for a minute. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Oh, there's two things, faith and hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That lets us know that hope is a future tense word, okay? So like, my life is here, but I hope one day it will get to here. My hope is a future tense thing. When we hope for something, it's something that we believe will happen in the future. For instance, the second coming of Christ is called in the Bible the blessed hope because it's in the future. It's a hope. But faith, belief, let's change the word hope to the word goal. A goal is something in your future. And let's change the word faith to the word belief. Belief gives substance to your future goals. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So in our life, we need to have faith and hope. If all you've got is hope, then something is always in your future. You know like, you know that thing where they dangle a carrot in front of a donkey? And the carrot is always in the donkey's future. The donkey will never get to the carrot. Sometimes we set goals in life and it's kind of like that. It's like it's no matter how far we travel, it's still ahead, it's still ahead. Have any of you ever gone hiking or something like that? And, every, and we just need to get over the next mountain peak and you get over it and you find out there's another mountain peak. You know, life can be like that. And when that happens to us, it can cause real discouragement. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the vision comes true, it is a tree of life, it gives life to you. 
So we need hope, we need to have future goals, but we also need to have faith. We need to believe that these future goals are achievable, that they are accomplishable, that we are making progress, that God is for us and not against us, that he is on our side, that he desires for us to achieve our hopes and dreams, and he wants to work with us to do that. So we're doing a series kind of little series we started last week called Faith Can. And last week we looked at how faith can move the mountains in your life. And we saw that Jesus taught us that when there are obstacles in your life, the power of faith is able to remove those obstacles. So sometimes there are things in our life that we don't want to be there. And faith can move the mountains in our life. But today I want to take it to a different step. Once we have removed the obstacles that we don't want to be there, faith can also attract into our lives the things that we do want to be there. And so today I've called this, Faith Can Bring You Success in Life. Let's say that together. Faith can bring you success in life. Now, even if we just looked at this from a purely secular perspective. Let's say that you have uh, ever been part of a company or an organization or something like that, that that maybe you have been involved in sales and uh, you get taken on courses and training and motivational events to help you become a better salesperson you will know because even just in the secular world, even just in the field of human psychology, we know that when you really, really believe in something, it provides motivation. It provides inspiration to you to persevere in the face of all difficulties and to achieve your goals and objectives. It might... And the thing you might be believing in might not even be all that great. Maybe you're believing in yourself. Maybe you're believing in the business model. Maybe you're believing in the product. But all sales, top salespeople know that if you don't believe in the product, you're not going to be good at selling it. They know that there's an energy, regardless of your words, there's a body language, there's an energy that comes off of you. If you now, there are lots of people that will try to sell you a lot of old junk online. And they're hoping for uh, lots of individual sales in order to make money because they know it's junk and they know you're not going to be a repeat customer. But they're not good salespeople. They, they, they think sales is get rich quick. They're trying to make as much money as possible before they're caught out. But they're not good salespeople. Good salespeople never sell junk because they know that unless they really believe in the product, that comes across. And it comes across in their, their, their words either have power convincing power or they fall flat to the ground, even even if they're saying the same script. I mean, surely you've had people call you, you know, salespeople call you on the phone. And some of them, I mean, like you don't want, I know you don't want to talk to any, well, if you're like me, I don't want to talk to any of them. But because I never invited them into my life, it's rude, you know, to turn up on it. Salespeople on the phone are like Jehovah's Witnesses at your front door, you know. 
It's like, I never asked for you to come. So, um, but sometimes you, you feel that the person talking to you is really excited about the sale, and sometimes you know that they're just reading off a computer screen. It's like, like remember the school teacher in the Charlie Brown cartoons? And you never actually heard what she said? That's what it's like. There's no energy, there's no life, they don't believe in it. But the Bible takes it even further than that. It's not just believing in yourself, believing in your product, believing in your company, your organization, your church, whatever it may be. Belief, faith, is what connects you with God. It's what opens you up to the inspiration of God. That God himself wants to partner with you in life to cause your life to go down the right path and become successful at what you should be doing and not go down the wrong path where you're just copying somebody else's life, you're trying to be like somebody else. Instead of discovering your God-given path for life, you're following down somebody else's path and struggling hard to try and be successful at it. That is not, that's a different thing. So success, let's look at this again. Faith can bring you success in your life. Now, what do you think about when somebody says the word success? Maybe you just think financially, maybe you think of some video that keeps popping up on social media where some guy is saying, hey, I was homeless six months ago, now look at this mansion that I live in, let me take you, let me take you around the mansion right now, and um, if you sign up and join for my $300 uh, course on how you too can go from homelessness to a man. You know, that can, maybe that's what you think of when you think of success. Look at my 15 Ferraris parked outside the house, you know. But let's say God has wired you in a particular way and that you are uniquely designed to be an artist and to create to paint, for instance, uh, outdoor scenes, mountains and lakes and trees and animals and so on. And you are, but instead of doing that, you think that success means being like this guy on the YouTube video, and you want to get the big mansion and the 15 Ferraris and so much furniture you, you can never sit on it all and, and all of that kind of stuff because you think that is success. You will, even if you make all the money that he has made, which is doubtful because you're not him, and what makes him come alive is not what makes you come alive, what gifts and talents he has are not the gifts and talents you have, but even if you were able to duplicate his success, that would not be success for you. You would be miserable. You would be living a life that makes you die inside instead of one that makes you come alive. For you, success is not having 15 Ferraris in a big mansion and making YouTube videos. For you, success would be having a beautiful cottage in a rural area with lakes and the sea and mountains where you're able to paint and generate and produce the works of art that are in your heart and sell them to the right people and so on. You see, one person could have an awful lot of money, a high-powered career, lots of possessions, and to them that's success. 
and the other person, the cabin on the lake, where they're able to create their art or whatever it is they do, to them that's success. They may have their house, maybe a fraction of that person's house in size. Their financial uh, situation, maybe a fraction of that person's financial situation. But you are successful when your life is fulfilled and you are fulfilling your life's purpose, that's when you're successful. It could involve money, and it might not. It could involve material possessions, and it might not. You know, if you're called, maybe God has called you to be a missionary in a village in an island someplace. Your 15 Ferraris are not going to do you any good there. And if God has called you to do that, you will enjoy doing it. This is the important thing. You need to understand you will be successful in life doing the things that God has gifted you to do. So if God has gifted you to be a, a missionary in a village someplace, you're not gonna be successful sitting at home making YouTube videos, but then you're in this village, you don't need the Ferraris or whatever it is, you don't need the house, you don't have internet access, you don't watch YouTube videos, but that when that whole village discovers faith in Christ and, dis and is able to drill for water and it, it discovers agriculture and are able to feed themselves and are able to live without disease and it becomes a thriving community and every cell in your being is vibrating with life and joy and bliss and happiness because you're doing the thing God created you to do, you're successful. So success can mean different things to different people. And if you want a good definition for success, the best definition I've ever found comes from Errol Nightingale, who was one of the very first motivational speakers and success coaches. And he said, success is the gradual realization of a worthy goal or ideal. You're a small group leader. You, do, but you lead a Bible study on a Wednesday night. You've got eight people in your small group. You were the same eight people for four years. You begin to pray and say, Lord, I've not been very successful at this, but I know in my heart that you've called me to do this. And you begin to pray and you begin to believe that God is gonna use your small group to reach other people. And gradually, that, now that's a worthy goal. You don't want eight people, you want 16 people in this group. You're gonna double this group. That's a worthy goal. You want more people to now be growing in their faith and learning the scriptures and praying together. It's got nothing to do with money. It's not even got anything to do with your career, but it is something that you are doing that you could either fail at or succeed at, and you would rather succeed at it than fail at it. So you decide, you set a goal, I want 16 people in my small group. And success is the gradual realization you're not successful once you've got the 16. You've, you're successful as soon as you've set that goal and you begin to work towards it. It is the gradual realization of a worthy goal or ideal. In that case, it has got nothing to do with money or material possessions. Here's another illustration, which does. 
you're an employer, you own a business, you employ eight people in this business, you've got one place, you want to begin to open up three other franchises or three other um, branches elsewhere. You begin to set the goal. You're a Christian, you believe, you pray, you're wanting more money because you want to be able to bless your family and there's things that you want to do and your, your daughter's got a wedding coming up that you need to pay for and you've got a family vacation that you want to go on, you also want to give a whole lot more money to Gateway Alliance Church every Sunday, and, um, and as well as that, in your heart, you want to be, you, you love God, and you love people, and you want to be able to provide employment and more jobs, so it's not just about you, it is about you, but it's also about your family, and your ministry, and your church, and other people. It is a worthy goal to grow your business from eight staff members in one location to opening up three new branches. You set the goal. You begin to work towards it. You achieve it. As a result of you achieving it, you've got more money. Your, your family's got more money. Your employees have got more money. Ten people who are formerly unemployed have now found gainful employment and are beginning to provide for their family also. Then you take some of the money that you've got and you decide to go on the most wonderful overseas holiday and some other people in the church criticize you and say, oh, they're a Christian and they're spending so much money on their vacation that that could house the homeless, you know, if they just gave it away. But what you don't know is they're going on this amazing vacation to Mexico and while they are there, all of the staff in the resort they're in are able to feed their families because tourists are coming and spending money there and they've got employment and they go to the market and here's this little widow woman who's got six kids to, to bring up on her own and she's making little bracelets and selling them and you're able to give her money because you were successful. Her kids are now going to be, be fed. You see, you can either have the limited pie or you can believe that there is more than enough success and blessing for everybody and the more you've got the more everybody's going to get. Okay. There is nothing selfish about being successful and prosperous. You can do a whole lot more good for the world when you're successful and pro prosperous than you can as a depressed hermit living in a cave somewhere praying all day long. You can pray and be successful at the same time. <laughs> we better get to the Bible, for goodness sake. Right, okay. The story of Joshua. We're almost out of time. I've got seven minutes. The story of Joshua and Caleb. Right. Joshua and Caleb. When Moses was leading the Israelites across the wilderness and they get to the promised land, he picks 12 spies. And the, and the Bible calls them spies. I've noticed on the news to, nowadays, they weren't spies, they were human informants. Yes, yeah, I know what a spy is, a human informant. Anyway, so Moses appointed 12 human informants and he sent them into the promised land. And they came back. And 10 of them came back and said, that land is wealthy. Oh my goodness, it's an amazing place. It's fertile and the crops are abundant and there's amazing houses there and when we go in there, we could have a great life. But 
They've got real proper soldiers there and a real army with real weapons and they're like giants compared to us. And we're like little grasshoppers compared to them. And on top of all that, their cities are fortified cities we would never break in. Now, they thought, you know these people that tell you, I am neither a pessimist nor an optimist, I am a realist. That's who these 10 people were. They said the land is good and abundant, but the enemies are fierce and numerous. You would think they were being a realist. Do you know what the Bible calls it? It says they brought an evil report. Anything that brings you discouragement and talks you into being a failure or accepting victimhood is an evil report. A good report tells you God is with you. We are well able. Let's rise up and let's take the land. But only two people said that. And that was Joshua and Caleb. And they said, yeah, there's big cities. Yeah, there's big soldiers. Yeah, there's big spears and swords. But God is with us. And God said, that's our land. Come on, let's go and take it. But the Bible says the 10 realists who brought an evil report spread so much discouragement that the people would not go into the promised land. And they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years later, out of those 12 people, 10 of them are dead. The 10 that brought the evil report, the 10 negative naysayers are dead. And the only two two of them that are still alive are Joshua and Caleb. But this time, they're like 80, 90 years old. And they're not saying, oh, I'm too old now to get into the promised land. Caleb is saying, give me a sword and I'll go and take my land. I don't care if you're 99 years old. God has got another Goliath for you to conquer, another mountain for you to move, another project to accomplish, another prayer to be answered. And this is what God said to Joshua. I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. Everybody say this. God is with me. He will not fail me, nor abandon me. Let's read on. He says, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. Do you know believers are supposed to possess things? They're not supposed to be possessed by things. They're supposed to possess things. And it says here, Um, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning away to the right or to the left. Then, when you take, when you're careful, then you will be, what's the next word? Say it again. So success is not a dirty word in the Bible, is it? God doesn't say, take the Bible, read the Bible, believe the Bible, become an abysmal failure in every area of your life. God doesn't say that. He says, then you will become what? In two or three things. 
In what? In everything you do. Speak this book of instruction continually. My goodness, when you find a great verse in the Bible, don't just read it and say, oh, that's sweet. I'll put it on my refrigerator. Don't just, I mean, put it on your refrigerator if you want, but put it in your mouth. You're you're not feeling well, you're feeling weak, and then you read the Bible, and the Bible says, let the weak person say, what does it tell them to say? I am strong. Not, I am weak, I need my chicken soup. No, I feel weak, and it says, let the weak person say, I am strong. I'm gonna take that instruction and I'm gonna put it in my mouth and speak it continually. I am strong, I am strong. If you came in the house, you might see me shuffling about. (coughs) I am strong, I am strong. And you're thinking, you're weird. (laughs) I can be normal and sick or weird and healed. I can be normal and depressed or weird and filled with joy. I can be normal and a victim because in this society over the last few years, victimhood has become a badge of honor. You be a victim if you want. I shall be a victor because God is with me. He wants me to succeed in all that I do. Right, how do I do it? How do I do it, Lord? How do I get this success? I speak this book out. I speak out the scriptures. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I need to believe that God is with me. I need to believe that God is on my side. I need to believe that God is listening to my prayers and answering my prayers. I need to believe that as I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. I need to believe that anything I ask in Jesus' name shall be given, because Jesus said it would. He said, ask and ye shall receive and your joy will be full. I need to believe that if I meditate upon Scripture and speak Scripture and fill my mind and my heart with the promises of God, then He will cause me to succeed in all that I do. You know, big things and small things. It's in my heart to start a business and the business becomes successful. It's in my heart to clear the ants out of the garage that they seem to have infested and I go to clear the ants, and I'm successful at it. Whether it's a trivial thing or a big thing, in all things we should have a feeling of being pulled forward. I did something else and it worked out. I did something else and it worked out. I felt led by God to do something else and it worked out. This is becoming an exciting life. It is great to be in partnership with God. Meditate. The word meditate, it comes from a Hebrew word, chokma, which means to pound in. And it actually means a number of things. It means to contemplate on the inside and speak or mutter on the outside. To contemplate on the inside and mutter on the outside. I do that all the time. I don't care. I mean, I do it like in Superstore. 
you ever meet me in Superstore? I'm probably muttering as I looked at things. Oh, That's not the one I want. I want that one. And people look at and I don't care. <laughs> because I will probably never see them again anyway. And when I'm driving the car, I speak all the time. People probably think I've got Bluetooth on and I'm talking to somebody on the phone, but I'm praying in tongues, I'm singing worship songs, I'm speaking scriptures, I'm making sure that that 15-minute commute is not just dead time, but I am charging my spiritual batteries by plugging into the divine mains, and I'm charging myself up with faith. To meditate means to contemplate on the inside and to speak out on the outside. Let's just have a look at that. Put, put the next slide up. I've got, put the next one up. Okay, information, that is the promises of Scripture, plus contemplation, plus affirmation, plus doing it, application, that is what the word meditation means. Meditation does not mean to empty your mind. Meditation means to fill your mind with the right thing, to focus, to focus. You get the information, the promises of Scripture, you imagine yourself living them. You fill your mind with it, you contemplate it, you begin to speak it out of your mouth. Let the weak say, I am strong. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. There is no lack, for God is a God of abundance. I declare in Jesus' name that I will be strong and courageous, for the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. And before you you know what, you begin to feel a little bit more alive. And you turn up at work that day and they think you've had 15 coffees before you came to work. Because that is what meditation is. Let's just very quickly look at a few scripture verses and then we're gonna to pray together. Proverbs 16, nine. The mind of man plans his way and the Lord directs his step. So here I am here in life. And in my mind, I decide that I want to get to this point in life. It might look like it's just a straight line, but I, you could paraphrase this, you decide what, God decides how. God knows that you're not yet ready to handle that kind of life. You can't go straight to it. You don't have the experience that handling that level of life is going to be. And so as you're working towards your goal, God just brings an opportunity into your life. An open door comes here. It feels right. You've got a green light on the inside. You go over here and you spend some time in this opportunity. And the thing about that is you've met an important person who's going to be a contact for your future. And some of the information that you've learned and skills that you've picked up, a little bit of it is going to help you for your future. And then you get led here and then you get led there. And, then, and one day you realize that the goal that you set, you've arrived at it. You planned your way, but the Lord directs your steps. That's why true success is not you being determined to become successful, it's you and God working together in partnership to go down the right path for your life. Next verse. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many things? In all things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. In other words, as things go on the inside, so they shall become on the outside. 
As your soul, your thoughts, your memories, your emotions, your visual images, your beliefs, as your inside world becomes prosperous and successful and abundant and blossoms with life, it will affect your outside life. It all starts with what you believe on the inside. Next verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may discover and live in God's good, satisfying, and perfect will for you. Isn't that what you want in life? Don't you want to wander down life and people say, how are things going? And you say, ah, things are going good and things are going satisfying, and things are just perfect. I just feel like I am right in the center of God's will for my life, and this is the way my life was supposed to be. Well, how did you get there? I changed the way I think. I was tr- my life was transformed as my mind was renewed. I began to change what I was believing. I didn't believe in the limited pie any longer. Oh, well, there's, we can get eight pieces out of this pie, but if there's 16 people, that's a smaller piece each. What if it's a never-expanding pie? Yes, but, but, okay, seven and a half billion people, but what happens when we get to 20 billion people on planet Earth? Somebody who's got more faith than you is going to say, let's colonize Mars! They're going to set a goal, and you want to know what? They're going to achieve it. Let's read on. Next verse. Faith comes by continually hearing the Word of God. That's why if I get a a, a podcast or a recording of a, a really inspiring message, I listen to it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I actually listened to one of my messages last week, and I really got a lot out of it, believe it or not. I had to listen to it for something and take some notes down. And before I knew it, I sat down with a, with a cup of iced tea and thought, this is actually pretty good. I'm just going to take some notes for myself here. <laughs> but you know, not only can you listen to other people, but psychologically speaking, you believe what you say more than you believe what anybody else says. So when you start to speak the scriptures with your mouth, You are calling those things to come into your life. One more verse. Uh, This is God speaking. I alone know the plans I have for you. Plans to bring you what? And not disaster. Plans to bring about the future that you hope for. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to start calling our future I don't know what future you're hoping for, but the Bible says, Jesus said, according to your faith, it will be unto you. Do you have faith that your future is filled with disasters? Or do you have faith that your future is filled with an ever-increasing progression in life as you and God work together and you discover the perfect path for your life and achieve the things that make you come alive? What future are you hoping for? 
Okay. Lift up your hands a second. I just want to pray, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would move upon each one of us. I pray that your presence would come down upon us, well up within us, overflow from us, Lord, with belief, with faith, with optimism, with hope for a better future, with the absolute certainty that you love us, you are for us, you are on our side, you are leading us, you are guiding us, and our future is bright. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's all say together right here and right now, I declare in faith, I will meditate on God's Word. I will speak words of faith. I will be strong and courageous. I will delight myself in the Lord. And He shall give me the desires of my heart. I will have good success in all things. For the Lord my God is with me. He is for me. And nothing can stand against me. I believe it. I receive it. And with God's help, I will achieve it in Jesus' name.